You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is one of my best friends and someone that, you know, I thought years ago when I wanted to do this podcast, Alexi was one of the people that I wanted to have on for sure. So welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, hey, Dirk. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the warm welcome. You're welcome. Um, I'll give you a little backdrop on Alexi and then I'll throw it back at you. But Alexi and I met each other end of college, University of Washington, and we we're both uh, going to go to Europe. And I was supposed to go with a couple guys that I didn't know too well. And then I met Alexi, I think the last quarter and we hit it off and I realized like, this is a dude that I want to travel with. And we were there, I don't know, three, four, three and a half, four months. We were everywhere from Greece to Ireland to you name it. Um, but you get to know somebody pretty damn well when you travel with them and you have no money. And I think out of all the nights we were there, I remember it, over 50% of the time we didn't spend money on finding a place to sleep. So we either slept outside or in the train or whatever. But anyway, Alexi has been in my life for a long time, was in my wedding, uh, amazing father, and just a guy that I really look up to. So he is, you know, I've watched his uh, career for a while and, you know, I really like where he's settled in. I feel like he's pivoted into a, um, a flow where he's like in his own a genius. Like, and again, I've known him, he's been in sales like me, but I'm going to let him talk a little bit about what he does and we'll get into the weeds on kind of what that means. So instead of me trying to, um, you know, explain it, why don't you tell, uh, you know, you just got back from Spain, you're on the plane, someone sits next to you and they say, Hey, what do you do? How would you answer that? <laughs> well, first of all, I got to say, uh, Thanks for that, that the intro and the background on, uh, on, on us. I mean, we did have a great time in Europe. I still have unbelievably fond memories. And, you know, we had some challenges while we were over there, too. So um, <laughs> it was awesome. What, 14 or 15 countries and just epic times. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great way to start out. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sitting on a plane and somebody asked me, what do I do? I, I lead the overall growth, uh, global growth Um from a revenue perspective, top line revenue perspective, and then hold responsibility for um, the success of our customer base at a company called SIY Global. The SIY stands for Search Inside Yourself. It's a program that originally was born at Google, and um, it was about uh, you know bringing the neuroscience of mindfulness for specifically for the development of social and emotional intelligence, and bring that into the workplace where people um, could benefit from skills to better navigate um, their work life. And by the way, you know, those are skills you have as a human. So you bring them home with you too. So um, yeah, I lead, the, I lead the global growth and customer success for SIY Global. Yeah. You know, and just listening to you, Alexi, like those are the, what you're talking about. It's, it's a, it's not like a, you know, you are a sales medical sales guy or you're a, a dentist or, I mean, it's kind of a different type of, gig and I don't want to gig. I mean, I hope I, maybe the wrong word, but like, it's very interesting to me, like the emotional intelligence and leveraging that in the workforce, speaking to C-level management, like the, 
our world has changed. You know, there's a lot of things I want to get into, like maybe even AI and how it might affect what you do. But like these are discussions or things we weren't talking about 20, 30 years ago, right? Yeah, no, um, I guess it probably would have been about 20, 30 years ago when I first came across this material a guy named Daniel Goleman, who really brought emotional intelligence um, as a theme into the workplace. And it's it was really ra- uh, wrapped around, you know, how, how do people cultivate skills to better um, relate with others? And because they relate well with others, maybe listen better, communicate better, then they're more apt to collaborate better and then maybe more skillfully navigate times of conflict. So that's where the, 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 you know, the social and emotional intelligence comes in. And it was about 30 years ago that it seemed to really kind of begin to um, be brought into the workplace. And now it's, it's much more common. They call, you know, soft skills or power skills. These are those skills that, um, you know, they're not the analytical problem solving reasoning technical understanding type skills these are the skills and that people need in order to um, be successful in relationships so it's funny you brought up ai um if you if you go in and, and you chat uh use chat gpt and you ask um what are some of the skills that that ai can't replace well this is one of the first things that pops up um there's no replacement for the ability to relate authentically with another human being and be able to have influence and um, have those interpersonal dynamics take place that are part of being human. So you're safe for a while. I think so. (laughs) I think so. Yeah, I love it. No, I, I, I'm just starting to incorporate that into my podcast because it's so interesting because I do think it's going to replace a lot of jobs, Um, create jobs, but replace a lot of jobs. Um, We'll get back to that in a little bit, but you know, like, I think what I'm trying to like the thing about what when I watch you and I've seen you and grow and 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 be successful in your career, it feels like you found this calling that was always inside you. Like you know, I don't mean to say like your ability to read a room, but emotional intelligence, just be able to read people. You know, the social cues and the the emotional stuff. Like it, you've always done that well. You know, and since I've known you and. Was it kind of interesting when you started like working in this environment for your career? You're like, huh, did it feel different? Like, hey, this is something that I'm naturally damn good at. And oh, by the way, I get to get paid to do it. I mean, that's the beauty of what I when I watch you. And I'm like, I think this dude, my friend Alexi, loves what he does. And by the way, he's damn good at it. Did you feel that way? Wow. I mean, it's such a loaded question because first of all, I don't think I had all those skills um, because there were times that I would call like call out the career limiting move that maybe I made because of a, you know, not being able to manage myself as well as I would hope early in my career. I mean, there's a there's a, a an instance that comes to my mind immediately around having uh, being grilled by this uh, the president of the business of a company that I was working for and his way to determine if somebody was, was a uh, um, leadership material was to just destroy them in a public setting, in a like in a conference room type setting and how they reacted and responded would determine if they had the metal, if you will, to like actually be a leader. So I would not say that that's the, the prototypical uh, leadership environment that um, that's promoted these days, but I had to live through that and actually uh, stood up in a, in a meeting and basically, you know, said some things that probably weren't 
going to be um, those things <laughs> that would would you know, maybe think you're going to get a, a promotion out of it. So, yeah, but uh, but I love it. For me, it was about more about my cultural heritage. You know, so my dad was from India, and there's this weird little intersection that I'm going to bring up that. You know, so I, my dad died at a very young age and I was really little when he died, uh, but it left for me this, this desire, this need to fill a gap around my own, um, you know, kind of genetic heritage being half Indian and really like wanting to learn more and wanting to sink my, you know, myself into understanding in, in, the, in maybe in the, in kind of in a form of identity, like what is my true identity? You know, how do I figure this out when my dad's gone? And um, I went pretty deep into mindfulness, meditation, yoga. I teach all three. Um, this is well before I took uh, took on this role. But those practices where you're really present, where you're like in the moment, give you the ability to turn off the natural autopilot that the human brain um, has for efficiency, by the way. So, you know, about 50% of the time, the average person is thinking about the future or they're ruminating about the past. So they're worrying about the future or they're ruminating about, oh man, if I would have done something differently in the past. So, but it's when that you're in that present moment that you can recognize your own um, state and what, what may be going on for you emotionally, which then gives you the ability to at least create a little bit of a pause and make a decision around how you want to act, react, et cetera. So, um, it was those skills that I was building and cultivating more out of a sense of identity that really ultimately brought me to where I am now, because it's those very same skills that help to translate into the launching pad for how people can um, you know, learn trainable skills around emotional intelligence. It all takes place with the core qualities of awareness, self-awareness, self-management. And there are many more beyond that, but those that self-awareness piece is the crucial kind of like the foundational pillar, if you will, for how to cultivate, um, you know, social and emotional intelligence. Yeah. There's so much there that, you know, I mean, we've talked, you know, I'm a big Joe Dispenza guy, you know, university of Santa Monica, spiritual psychology. Like I really understand the whole present thing and, and, and so hard to turn the monkey brain off. Um, but you know, it's interesting because like when you're talking, it's making me think about what this podcast is about and it's really leveraging what's natural, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of what's innate, what you were born here into this world to do and what you're better at than anybody else, what gives you passion, what makes you a better dad. So when you come home and you've been energized, Sydney's going to see a different version of Alexi, your daughter. And, you know, I always pay attention to like when I'm a better dad or a better husband, what have I been doing to get there? And, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of that in what you're doing. And I think for the audience, it's like, I know this might sound a little deep, especially if you're in high school or coming out of college, but pay attention to what drives you and, and gives you fire. And, you know, I see Alexi right now in a career where he's leveraging those natural skill sets that he has. And that's really what makes people truly successful. I think separates people and makes them happier and more joyful in their career. So I don't mean to, you know, ramble on, but I love what you're talking about. Um, do you, a little bit more about your dad. I mean, do you feel like this career is like, I don't know if that's a stretch. Is it bringing you closer to him? 
Yeah, I think um, I think it's a it's a it's a good question because I think prior to stepping into this career, you know, I actually left the technology space to take on something that has a lot more meaning for me. And you know, for me, you know, I want to have a larger impact. And my way of going about doing that is if I can help people to you know be exposed to learning these these skills then they're going to better navigate life. So the more you can navigate life in a more skillful skillful way means you're going to have a higher quality life as an end result. So for me the you know the practices that I was embodying myself and the journey that I was taking to get to where I am now um, yeah a lot of that was you know came from the the my dad and not knowing him and wanting to know him more deeply and wanting to understand those aspects of my life, you know, on a personal level, just those aspects that are very unique to me. But there was this also um, this beautiful opportunity to, as I learned these skills and brought them into the into the work environment, when I was a new manager leader myself, I was able to actually, you know, maybe navigate a little bit better than I had, had I not. So I started bringing some of these skills into the workplace and um, was recognized for that informally. Our, our HR organization, large company I was working for, decided they wanted to use my team as a pipeline for talent development, bring people in. You know, Alexi seems to be doing some things that are working with uh, people in a, in, a, in a way that seems to be working for the company. All the while, we're also working in an environment where maybe the leadership is in a different place. So anyway, you know, it just helped me to get to a place of, of meaning for me. And so my, uh, that's a long way of saying that I, I the, my highest recommendation for anybody is to really look at their own values. What brings value to them? What, what do they, what do they find meaning in? And if there's also this aspect of passion and purpose, I mean, come on, can you have a better combination, right? You get meaningful, you know, uh, kind of results of what's taking place in your life in the workplace. Um, you might have the ability to, you know, check a few more boxes around passion and purpose. And if you can find that combination, then it's no longer work. And I feel like I'm super blessed, grateful, and appreciative of being in that place. Now, I didn't always have that though. I had to work hard to, to get that. I had to work hard to figure out what are these things that really do drive me. And then recognizing those things that were driving me seem to be beneficial to the people around me as well. And, you know, giving me this, uh, this ability to go on a journey that that's taking me where I am now. And I, I love where I'm at. Yeah, I can tell. So, you know, I always talk about like life happens, you have to take action and you never know where it's going to lead you. Right. So, you know, you and I both are close to the same age and, you know, a lot of, we have life wisdom experience, you know, you've, you've been through a lot personally and, you know, so have I, and there's been ups and downs. So when it comes to like, you know, you and I can have this conversation, but like, you know, our daughters are close to the same age. How do you, what's your advice to, to people say in college that are trying to figure out, you know, they're so maybe focused on money or what society looks good. And, you know, I mean, I mean, what I wanted to do in college was nothing. I mean, nothing like what I'm doing now. But like, what's your advice? Because I don't think young adults and, and high school kids think like this, right? And you and I probably didn't think like this. So yes, you have to take action, but how do you expedite the awareness um, or the rebirth of, you know, figuring out 
what drives you? Like, how do you do that? Do you have any advice if someone's watching and they're like, huh, this makes sense, but like, I don't think like this. Maybe they're just not used to thinking like this. Yeah, I mean, what a great question. So if I could rewind, go back into time, um, I mean, the, the thing I would say is the word, I'll use the word intentional. If somebody's listening to this and they take anything from what you and I are talking about right now is to be intentional about what is meaningful for you to like discover what that is and go deeper into what it is once you've figured out what that area of interest is and peel back the layers and really discover you know, self-discovery almost about what is it that you find meaning in. And, and then the, the other piece I would say is find a mentor or find people that you can look to that have wisdom and experience that you might be able to learn from, uh, you know, at a younger age. Had I known what I know now, man, my life would have been completely different. I would have been on a completely different trajectory. I love my life. I love where I'm at. And I, I, I see how if I could have just had some of these um, influences at a younger age, what that might've done for me. And, you know, um, could have been pretty cool. I'm going to just ask you, what, what do you think? I mean, that's one of the questions I ask at the end, but knowing what you know now, what do you think you would do different? Wow. Gosh. Um, I, I think I probably would have spent more time, um, with myself for myself, as opposed to really being worried about that, you know, what, you know, my social group was thinking and doing and being part of that. I think you got to be really good and comfortable with yourself. Um, you know, I think you and I have shared before that I, I think one of the greatest human superpowers that's out there that everybody can cultivate is, is self-compassion because we're always going to be our own worst critic. I mean, that inner critic voice, it, it's pretty powerful. So, you know, learning, you know, the skills around compassion, self-compassion, empathy, but Self-compassion towards yourself gives you the ability to actually see things in a different way. It gives you the ability to label things and create meaning in a different way. And um, I think that is a, I think it's something I wish I would have learned somehow, some way when I was younger, because it would have helped me make better decisions. Yeah. I mean, that's a deep one. Self-compassion. I mean, I'm the king of beating myself up. I figured if I can beat myself up harder than anybody, then you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, and it's, it's, uh, it was effective, right? I mean, it, it made us both successful, whether it was sports or grades, like you're hard on yourself. But I also realized like I'm hard on people, other people. Sometimes I'm very judgmental, but all that comes back to how I, you know, view myself and how I treat myself. So I, that's, that's a big one for me working on self-compassion for sure. Um, and I, and no, I think it's yeah. important to bring that into the workplace because, you know, when people are in their job and maybe they're not doing so well, or maybe they just feel like they're struggling, a little dose of self-compassion around that experience changes the experience itself and can set you on a path to where you're a little bit more open and curious about how things can be different. But when you're beating the crap out of yourself, it's kind of hard to see through that lens because that lens just isn't available you're just busy beating the crap out of yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, I, I don't know how deep I want to go on this just because <laughs> I don't want to lose these people that are trying to understand it. Let's get back a little bit into your, your, your job and you wear multiple hats. So that if someone's watching you and you're like, Oh, this sounds cool. 
Um, I mean, you just got back from Spain, which was kind of a unique thing. You don't always fly across the country uh, or across, you know, to another country. But tell us a little bit about just what you did. Um, and then, you know, anything you want to get into the weeds on, on like what your week, your day looks like, you know, you know, are you in Zoom having meetings 50% of the time? Are you face to face? Are you working nights? Are you work? I mean, tell us a little bit about what's it like to be in your world? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a lot there. So, um, so first of all, um, let's just talk about Spain since that's fresh and it was really fun and exciting and, and the opportunity was pretty cool the way it evolved. Um, we, we, uh, were able to get a large contract done with the technology company, a software technology company. And, um, as part of that, we are going to be doing, uh, 10 large programs where we're training, you know, large groups of people in these skills over the course of two days. Um, part of the way I got the deal done was to agree to actually co-teach the, the first program. So get the program launched in a really powerful, successful way, put a lot of pressure on me, um, you know, to shake the rust off a little bit and, and really dig in deep. But um, so it allowed for me to go to Spain, to go to Barcelona and uh, meet with 50 people, have a co-teacher, bring the program to this organization. And then from that, um, use that as a launching pad uh, to to drive the rest of these uh, these nine more programs that we're going to teach. So it was all for skills development, so people could do their jobs, do their work better. And, and for executives, middle level managers, all the way down to individual contributors. So it was it was awesome, and it just happened to be in a great location. Um, the the organization I work for, SIY Global, we spun out of Google originally as a nonprofit. And that nonprofit then uh, became a Corp B, a mission-driven, values-driven organization that's for-profit now. So we're out there trying to bring is is uh, you know these skills to as many large companies as possible. And hey, man, we're we're in this to make money, and we're in this to actually improve the lives of other people at the same time. So it's a pretty nice combination. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, what else? What you know. Spain was amazing. Um, yeah. I highly recommend it and uh, highly recommend finding jobs that give you the ability to travel too. Cause that's another thing that, that motivates me. Yeah. You didn't get married there. Did you? Oh boy. <laughs> In my mind, I might've gotten married a couple of times. <laughs> I bet. Um, so, okay. So maybe, okay. So like I'm listening and I know you, so I have the advantage of knowing, but like you're, you're involved with training because you enjoy it and you're credible at it. And I think it brings you joy. You're involved with biz dev. Uh, you know, you talked about money, you know, you guys make money. You're it's for profit, right? I mean, that's what pays the bills. Um, you know, you do a lot of things, right? You have a lot of skill sets uh, and a lot of hats that you wear. Uh, talk to the audience a little bit about getting into this world or this, um, I don't want to say niche, but this, you know, what are the opportunities? Because not everybody's can read a room. Not everybody's social. Not everybody's persuasive and they enjoy sales. And I mean, some people are introverts, right? Some people like to kind of close the door and be on their own. Are there multiple opportunities like with your company, for example, for different types of skill sets? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for people like myself, I mean, I had to train myself to be a little bit more uh, extroverted. I, I'm more introverted at heart, but I've learned to become more extroverted over time and in my career and with intention. But yeah, there's always opportunities within small to mid-sized and even large organizations where certain skill sets might be more applicable. If it, you know, I mean, an engineer, think about, you know, a lot of engineers aren't prototypically 
vibrant, you know, you know, um, people that are out selling things um, or working a lot with other people. There, there's a, you know, customer success roles where once a, a customer has been uh, signed under a contract, and then how do we make sure that they're as successful as they possibly can be when they're using our services? So that's a completely different skill set. Um, there, you know, there, yeah, there's just so many. I, I work for a company that's fairly small. We're growing really fast. I mean, we're a rapidly growing company. Uh, but there, there's, you know, that's the other thing I would I would suggest is that people need to think about what kind of environment do they want to be in. You yeah. know, do you want to work for a really large, stable company? Or do you want to go to work for a smaller organization where there might be a lot of cross-functional ways to learn more, develop yourself, try things on, maybe see, you know, try it out, try something out and, and, and move in another direction. That that's um that's easier to do at times when you're in a small company versus a, a large company. So the, the 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 company environment itself is really important to think about. Um, or do you want to start your own company? Um yeah, there's uh, there's yeah. a lot there. There is. So what, what is it like that's important to you in a job as far as, I mean, you said making an impact, but like, if, you know, what, what are you getting out of your career right now? Like, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, for some people, freedom is huge on, you know, top of the list. Some people, it's all about the money. Some people want to make an impact and they don't really care what they're making financially. Like, what is it that you are getting out of this career? Well, I mean, for me, I'm at a stage in my life and in my career where I, I want to have a little bit of a, um, I want to be able to say I had an impact, a positive impact. So I, I chose a profession very specifically and intentionally to where I will have the ability to have impact on a large scale, working with people to bring these kinds of skills to people and and change their lives. So the more socially, emotionally capable you are, the better you're able to navigate life in general, you know, bump up against challenges, you know, work around resilience, you know, what kind of resilience and capacity around resilience do you have? How do you cultivate that? Um, so I'm, I'm in a place where I, I want to enable other people. Um, that's me. There are other people. And I was at this point in time in my life, at another point in time in my life where I was really wanting to get after growth professionally. And part of that professional growth was earning more money. Um, so this is where I think the values piece comes back in. At this moment in time, what do you value? And how do you want to have that play out in the environment that you're in, in the work world? And what is it going to look like? What are you looking for? What kind of criteria do you need to have satisfied in order to do that? And oh, by the way, what's the quality of life? So, you know, you might go out there and find a job where you can make a lot of money, but if, if life isn't quite as enjoyable, you're, you know, that's a pretty big trade-off. So, yeah, yeah I, this is where, I, again, I feel like people, my advice to people, you know, is to consider about what, what's important to them around the quality of their life first and foremost, and then let things stack up. And I believe that's often going to come from what your values are. Yeah. And, you know, I'm realizing sometimes that can take a while to figure out, right? Like, I didn't know how at 24, I, I didn't realize how important freedom would be, like the ability to wake up with my kids coach their sports, go to bed with them. I've never missed a birthday. My son's birthday is tomorrow. Like I wouldn't miss a holiday. So, you know, jobs where you might, like my dad was a pilot and he was gone, thankfully half the month. That's a whole different story. But uh, I mean, you know, like I didn't know that at 24. So again, it's the dance between trying to help people learn and think about these things. But sometimes you need a little bit of life 
to figure it out. And I get that. But I do think there's a lot you can do at an early stage to help expedite the, you know, the success and success in terms of being in your zone of genius, like not going down the wrong road. Um, compensation, not asking what you make, but like, is it in your type of job? Is it a base salary plus bonus commission? Like, I think people are interested because a lot of people don't know how people are paid. How does it work in your world? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the the one thing that's pretty true of almost all growth. You know, when I say growth, sales and business development, most sales and business development type roles, there's this, you know, incentive to be able to to really knock it out of the park and and earn you know a you know, a significant income because of the results you've produced. Um, I'm in a leadership position, so it's not a commission based position, but there's other growth incentives, you know, financial incentives for me. But, but you're bringing up something again. I think is really important. Is you know you can chase the money. Is that what's really important? And it might be at a particular point in time in your life. I believe personally, people should chase the interest first. And then really identify the interests and the values to get to the money, because if the interests and the values are there, there's a, a there's a little bit more flow. There's a little bit more ease in getting to the place where the income can come from that. So, I mean, sales exists in pretty much every kind of business. So maybe identifying the industry and the kind of business you want to be in, and if you want to make a lot of money, maybe you go down the path of of sales. Yeah, um, I get it. I, I agree. I mean, sales are so many different types of sale. I mean, we're always, always selling ourselves in a way. I mean, you sold yourself over there in Spain, right? I mean, you were, it was natural. It wasn't some BS scripted Alexei version of you yourself, but like, we're always selling ourselves, but I think it's also important to understand, are you motivated? Like in my, my line of work, you know, I do a lot of things and the way I pay the bills is I do real estate lending. And I've got people in my world that are all about the pay, you know, the dollar and that's what drives them. And it doesn't drive me. And it took me a while to figure that out. But I think for anyone watching and listening right now, it's like Alexi said, get behind the why. And then sometimes you might go seven levels deep. There's a book on this where you, you, you think this is my why. And then you ask yourself why, and then you finally get to the point of what your why is. And so again, these are just things we've learned that we're trying to share with you. Um, anything that you don't, I don't want to be negative, but is there anything that you're not crazy about in your job? Um, wow. Well, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm in this really fortunate position right now. I can't really think of much that okay. would, that would take me down that path in previous jobs, previous roles. I could, I could easily, point, you know, in that direction. But I, I, I feel like I'm in a, a really good spot. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a dangerous question too, politically. So, but like, you know, uh, but like going back to medical uh, supply, I mean, I don't know what the terminology was, but clean room supplies, you were in that world, right? With yeah. Baxter, yeah. like knowing what you know now and your experience, would it be really difficult to pivot and go back into that world? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, I didn't know anything back then. <laughs> I was so green. I was just like, you know, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. And, you know, it's not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, I, I think being more intentional about life and what you want to do is, is a really <laughs> valuable thing to think about. I wasn't there. I, that just wasn't me. I was just kind of riding the wave and, and doing things. It was a means to an end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
I think it's gotten me to where I am now. Uh, but, you know, if I could rewind in you know, time and history, I probably would have made changes sooner um, in my career. My career path would have taken a, a bit of a different journey. Yeah. Yeah. You, I remember you trying to help me get a job with Baxter and you actually got me a bartending job at your old bar. And uh, gosh, I've had a million jobs, you too, but it's funny to look back and, 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 and again, that it's led us to where we are. Um, what would you do? What would you say like to Sydney? Like if she was coming out of school right now, struggling, would you just give her the same? I mean, you have so much wisdom now. Would you just kind of basically, yeah. I mean, I don't want to have you repeat yourself, but put your daughter in this situation. What would you say to her? Well, we're actually kind of going through that right now. You know, I mean, life isn't a, a straight line up and, you know, there's some ups and there's some downs and there's just, you know, there are things that are part of life. You got to be able to navigate. And, um, you know, that again, not to sound like a broken record, but these things uh, really come down to your own social and emotional intelligence, how you intelligence, how you relate with yourself. How do you navigate these challenging times? You talked about motivation. We talked about resilience. These are all really core skills that I would love to be able to just transplant over in, in, and give them to Sydney. But you, these are things you have to learn. And sometimes, you know, you, the, the, your children don't want to just listen to the advice of, of you know, your, your parent. You know, and my daughter's no different. She, she and I love each other dearly and she's striking out on her own and she's, you know, growing into her, you know, her, her, who she is and what she wants to be. And she's coming back to me now and asking me about some of these things. And it's partly because of, of some challenging times she's had to navigate herself. So yeah. um, I, I guess I feel fortunate and blessed in being able to provide her with something other than just fatherly wisdom. Yeah, I get it. Um, one question I kind of came up that I want to ask, I hope it's not too deep, but I, I just, you know, you talk about being intentional, right? Um, how, I mean, take that into your personal life. Like, if someone's watching, they're trying to understand what this intentional thing is all about. Like you're talking about being intentional in terms of choosing a career. Like, how are you intentional in life? Let's just take your career out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting question. So there, I, I've learned things about myself that bring me pleasure or maybe brings me to my edge to where, you know, a growth edge or whatever that would be intentional. Like, taking myself into a place where I want to continue to grow. I think for me personally, growth is a massive part of my life. I'm always wanting to learn and grow and develop. So, you know, I'm intentional about that. I spend, I dedicate time for things that are of interest to me that, that are really meaningful to me and maybe more so than other people. I don't know. Um, I'm very intentional about my, my, um, my time in nature you know, I, I believe for me personally, when I'm out there on a hike or a trail run or just, you know, staring at the ocean, something like that, I, I happen to live in a pretty beautiful place that that gives me um, the opportunity to get more settled, more grounded. When I'm more settled and I'm more grounded, I can be more intentional. I don't have the the noise, the, mon the monkey mind, like you said, or it, maybe it's not as prolific. So, for me, being intentional is really taking and um, further cultivating skills and then um, acknowledging and being grateful for what I have and, and really, you know, settling into that and, and making that uh, a bigger part of 
my, you know, my consciousness, my existence, my way I, I lead my life, my way of being. Yeah. I mean, it's also really interesting if you think about it for people watching and listening, like be intentional about your thoughts and your words and how you speak. Like I had this conversation with my son, Noah, who was a lot like me, very hard on himself, especially with sports and like, be very intentional and aware of, you know, your words and your, and your words create your emotion. And you know, your, your thoughts are very powerful. So for the people that are watching, like be intentional about who you surround yourself with, right. You know, uh, the people that feed your brain, you know, whether it's positive or negative. And I think someone told me once that oftentimes, you know, we are who we hang out with. Sometimes it might take two or three years, but you become kind of like them in a way. Not that we lose our individuality, but be very aware and intentional about how you choose your time, who you're with, what what words, what books, what movies, whatever gets into your brain. Um, I don't know. I think that's great. I, I, I like that you brought that up. So as far as like kind of upward mobility and you know, it's not like success is always about, okay, now I'm going to become a C-level and start my own company. But like, what do you think about your future? Like, I, I know that you're super happy and super, you know, regarded in your company, but like, what is the trajectory for somebody like in this industry um, that has your skill sets? Like maintain, grow the business, become, you know, a partner or, I mean, let's just say this company went away. What would you do? Go try to find a similar group in a different company? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, the, the, the organization I'm with, the company I'm with, we're, we're fairly small, but you know, we have great potential. I mean, there, that's one of the reasons why I'm here. We've got this ability to actually grow in a massive way. We're going through our own digital transformation so we can scale um, the delivery of our product and our, and our, and our services. So I'm in a, in a position where, there's massive potential to grow, not necessarily, you know, from a, a changing of job responsibilities. I suppose I could take that path, but that's not really what what I'm, I'm looking for. Um, you know, it, I think it, the, the question's a little bit, I think it's a little bit different for for where I'm at and and what would that mean? It's, um, yeah, there's, there's just not a lot of reason for me to want to you know, there's so much that needs to get done. There's so much to do. There's uh, so many more companies that we need to get under contract and a team, you know, teams that I need to, you know, build and mentor and cultivate to get a lot of this stuff done. So there's a lot for me to really, you know, sink into here. So yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of this, this area that I'm in, learning and development is a big, big part of the corporate world. They, they, the, the most important thing that a lot of companies can do right now is to ret- retain their employees. And a lot of the ways they retain employees by being able to help give them a career path and train them in skills that are transferable. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're in a space where in, while humans are still working, they're going to want to develop. They're going to want to have the ability to become better at what they do. They're going to want to have the ability to grow in terms of the skills to become maybe um, start off as an individual contributor on a team and then move into a management position. So these are the things that we do. We, we teach and train people in these skills that enable them to get to these other places. Yeah, no, I mean, the skills you talked, we talked about AI a little bit. I mean, 
the emotion. I mean, the problem is like with AI, I feel like what we're doing right now is we're teaching AI to be like us. It's like our children. They're learning, they're watching. I mean, they, AI, and that's just my take. I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm on the alarmist spectrum, but I feel like they're just like paying it, you know, they're watching. And, and so I wonder though, like when, you know, and not to get too down this road, but I watched a podcast where they talked about, and the word was moron, like, and maybe it's not politically correct, but they said the IQ of a moron is 70 and they weren't making fun. They're just saying that's the word they use. Einstein was 160. And then the smartest person ever recorded, I think was like 210. So it was three X of a moron, right? Three times as smart which I would think it would have been a lot more than that, but they're saying AI is going at a thousand X. Like it's going so fast that we don't even know where it's going, where it's taking us. So like when we talk about, it doesn't have emotion or whatever, I mean, it's going so damn fast. I don't know what it's going to be in a year or two. And it scares me. So getting back into like your industry, do you see, is, is, is there a place for AI or do you just feel like it's, you know, apples and oranges? Well, I think it's, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I do have, you know, I spent a fair amount of time looking into it because just for the same reasons you're talking about, my understanding is that it's, it's going to be able to automate and process information so much faster than we could on our own. But in doing so, enable us to make better decisions because of all this automation and processing that's taking place. So, I actually have maybe more of an optimist view on it. Yeah, I think it is going to take out a lot of jobs. Um, and I think, you know, people probably said the same thing about the, the last major, you know, dynamic shifts in technology. You know, when the Internet came out, how many jobs were going to get lost? Well, I mean, there, there are new jobs that are created. So I, I choose to, to look at look at it that way, that there's going to be um, other avenues and openings. I don't think it's going to replace humans altogether. Um, by the way, we don't want to be replaced. So we, we want to still have our relationships with other people. It's much more fulfilling. No, I agree. I just asked the question because here I am doing a podcast on the future of careers and like, oh my God, it's 70% of these careers I'm talking about going to be gone. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's something to think about. Um, you know, when you're talking about like what you do, and people, companies are spending money. Mm. How do you, the ROI, like, how do you measure that? Like, I mean, it's easy to measure sales, like, you know, productivity, whatever, but like, how do you measure if what you're selling or offering or training the curriculum is actually a benefit? Wow. Such a great question. And we, we wrestle with that ourselves, but there are some key, there are some key areas that we can measure. In fact, every time we teach our program, we do a pre-survey and a post-survey and that gives us data to show improvement um, that's self-reported. So if somebody comes in um, at one level and then they go through our program, they're taught these skills, they have these skills and tools to take with them. And then, hey, how are you better able to manage stress? How are you better able to maybe pause before you react? You know, how are, how are you better able to make decisions because of some of these skills? So it, by and large, always improves by upwards of 20% across all these measurable areas that we look at. Uh, and there are some really, I would say, you, uh, universal areas that people look at. Um, people's like employee engagement is one. 
the retention piece I brought up a, a little bit earlier. Um, every company wants to retain their key employees. Every company wants to retain, you know, the, the, the this talent. And so uh, leadership trust is another one. Oftentimes the most um, prolific reason why people will leave a company is it because of pay, it's usually because the leader or the manager that they're working with maybe isn't as compatible with them. That's that's an that's that's a it's not always the case, but it's a common case. But these are all human things, right? These are all human dynamics that um, that we try to solve for. And you can measure for those. You can measure retention. You can measure absenteeism. You can measure people's satis uh, satisfaction um, or with their own company and satisfaction with leadership, et cetera. So yeah, these are some of the key areas that we would try to we we measure. No, it's a good question. Like the smart ass part of me is like, wouldn't it be great if you can't measure it? So you can just, you don't have to be a, a held accountable. You know, you're just like, I, you know, just sell something that you, but um, as far as like getting this training that you did at Google, I forgot the exact name of it, but if somebody's interested in this and maybe they are out of school and they're like, hmm, this, I might want to get certified in this curriculum. How would they, could they go about doing that just on their own? Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. I mean, our, our go-to-market strategy is really to train people that are within large organizations and they can teach our program internally within that company. I was personally uh, part of a different group where we had independent certified teachers like myself. Um, I was independently trained and certified to teach before I came to work for SIY Global before it came on as a, uh, as a leader. So um, yeah, I mean, there are avenues um, to do it, but we the, the avenues are almost, almost exclusively at this moment in time anyway, wrapped around how we can have a large scale impact. And that's usually with companies. So, you know, we have 600 plus uh, teachers that are certified to teach throughout the world globally right now. And it's a pretty large group of, of, of individuals, but people can still take the program. We're just not certifying a lot of teachers unless they're working inside of companies. Okay. So like if I was curious and I wanted to get certified. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now the best route would be for you to be working for a large company. Okay. And, yeah. Got it. Um, and how long did that take to, from start to finish? Yeah, it's a gosh. Uh, this the training it was pretty intense. It was a little over six months. Um, so we you go through a really deep dive into the material. You have to um, embody. So you know all the stuff that we're teaching. You have to embody yourself. You learn the neuroscience behind mindfulness meditation, uh, awareness, self awareness, self management, um, empathy, compassion, self compassion, etc. So you learn what the logical part of you wants to understand. And then you go through practices that help cultivate this. So you actually feel it. Like it's embodied. There's no, no substitute for actual, the actual feeling. Um, and then there's group discussion. And this is a very, um, it, it's a, it's a pretty depth in depth journey that you take for about six, a little over six months. Then you have to practice teaching the program in order to get certified. And then once you're certified, then, you know, you're, you're ready to, to hit the road. And, and Got it. No, and I apologize to come back to this question. I, I guess I'm still a little confused, but like in any trade or any, you, you, you can like, you want to become an appraiser, you want to become whatever, a firefighter, you can go, you can go through that process. It's free to do that. Like, I understand that doesn't mean you're going to actually have a job training, but like, are you saying like, you know, at your previous company, do you have to be sponsored by a company for Google 
to actually train you or can you go online and like, you know, and just sign up and, and go through this six month, whatever. I mean, I understand that you might not yeah. be able to actually go teach the course unless you get hired by a company, but I would yeah, think so that anybody. All, yeah. Yes. First of all, Google has nothing to do with it anymore. They, okay. they spun us, they spun us out as a nonprofit into completely independent of Google. And then um, that nonprofit is converted into a for-profit, which is another reason why I came on board. So yeah, um, for us specifically, the type of learning and, and development we do for, for our, our brand is, is really pretty unique and specific. But that's to say, you know, set my, me and my company aside, there are lots of programs that people could pursue to go down the path, that journey of, you know, gaining skills in the learning and professional development world. Coaching is a great example, by the way. There's a lot of folks that that are in our world that also coach, do executive coaching. Um, but yeah, there's lots of programs that people can can teach, you know, be trained to teach. We we just have a very specific brand and IP that we're um, very protective of, and that is we very very specifically are trying to work with large organizations. And part of that is is because we're going. Um, into this for-profit world and we're building, you know, we're building the revenue base. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I didn't know what you did specifically. Your company was unique. Like, I mean, I thought that maybe this was something a lot of companies do, but you're saying it's really just your thing. Yeah, it's pretty unique. I mean, there's other organizations out there that can train people in, in emotional intelligence, but the, our program is very specific. It, it's, um, it's, it's pretty sought after by the, the larger, you know, you know, corporate business community because of the pedigree, where we came from, how it was evolved and developed being born at Google, a lot of, um, dollars and, and effort were put into the actual curriculum development, you know, bringing, uh, in, into the fold, some experts in the field around areas of neuroscience, psychology, and business. And so we have a, a program that's, um, that's pretty, pretty powerful, pretty strong, and um, is, you know, pretty high on the scale in terms of, you know, the presence that we have. No, I, I get it. Um, thanks for clarifying that. So as we wrap this up, uh, I have a couple questions, but before I get into those questions, is there anything on the, you know, you obviously understand what I'm trying to do here. Uh, is there anything on the tip of your tongue or any questions I didn't ask you? or anything you feel compelled to kind of say before we wrap it up uh, along the lines of helping people choose their life work more effectively? Yeah. there's a couple of things that, that come to my mind. Um, you know, I've talked about some of these things that I personally believe I'm very biased towards being super kind of superpowers, human superpowers. Listening is one of them. So the ability to actually listen um, without the need to respond and have your own, you know, kind of, you know, prepared response, but really given like the full gift of your attention to somebody else to listen, that is a skill that's super powerful. And that um, I think will serve anybody, no matter what environment they're going to move into from a, a work-life perspective and listening skill. And by the way, your, your personal relationships do tend to thrive when uh, that, that significant other truly feels like you're listening. So yeah, listening. I think listening, 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 and being an expert listener to me is is a skill that will serve everybody in the work environment, let alone per, uh, personal environment. 
That's really interesting. You said that. And it's like, I've always thought I was a good listener. And then when I went to USM, we did, there's like 28 listening skills. We would do these trios and work on them. Like, and I realized like, shit, I'm not as good a listener as, cause like, and, and for people listening, <laughs> no pun intended, but they're listening to us right now. Like, you know, like what we're talking about is like the need to like, have the answers or like if Alexi's talking and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to reply and say, you can tell, like, I mean, there's like stereotypical salespeople. You can tell that are just full of crap when you're talking to them. Cause they're, you know, their mind, you know, they're already thinking about what they're going to say, but Alexi's right. Like, and, and it's, it's a muscle. Like it's, it's not that I, you don't care or you, you're not interested in the other person, but I think we're so used to, especially in coaching. And I've coached people like trying to fix, fix them or have the answers. And, you know, listening is not always about having the answers. It's about just providing a space and being present. And it's not so easy, right? I mean, it's, it's what makes you probably so good at what you do, but I, I fully get it. And honestly, with my wife, there's a lot of stuff that I, I need to work on and listening is is one of them uh, for sure. It's, but it's not like I don't care. It's just, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. Um, you know, I asked a question about like, if you could do anything, like, and, and a lot of times people are saying, well, they play it safe. Well, I'm doing what I want to do. Well, I'll just make it easy for you and say, you can't do what you're doing. You just got fired and the whole whatever, you, you're out. Sorry, Lexi. So, but is there a dream job? And the reason I ask this is because you know, like I've had engineer types where they're very serious or whatever, but then they want to be like some crazy job, dream job. Like, I think it's good to know the audience, like my guest. So is there something about Lexi, like, is there a dream job that maybe you don't tell anybody because it's embarrassing, but if you could do anything um, in the world, what would it be? Well, I actually do tell people what I what, what I'd like to do. I, I would love to have a couple pieces of property um, in different parts of you know, hopefully even the world, where I could put together um, a retreat center where people can come. Um, if I'm not working for SIY Global, I still am very interested in what I do, and I, I really, really like the um, you know having the opportunity to work with other people hopefully improve the lives of other people. And I, I think it'd be great to be able to bring people to these really cool settings where, you know, you get epic sunsets or you're on the mountaintop or whatever, but pieces of property where uh, that, that are a destination for others to come to and, you know, maybe dig into their ability to grow and learn and develop personally and, and spiritually maybe even. Um, but yeah, that that's my, my dream job, I guess, would be to have a couple pieces of property where, there's a steady flow of people coming in to do this type of work and to be part of this and be part of this kind of work. Yeah. Have you ever been to Esalon? I've, uh, I've not been to Esalon itself, but I've, I've driven by, I've been around the area, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool place that from what I understand, I've looked it up a number of times. Yeah, no, I think you'd be great at that. I, uh, you know, like the thing is when you take somebody to a beautiful place where they can be present and detach, right. Uh, amazing things can happen. I mean, I've been lucky enough to be in a coaching group where we go to beautiful places all over the world, not all over the world, but part of, you know, Latin America, Costa Rica, and amazing things happen when you can kind of get out of your world, your environment, 
And then the energy of like, even like the Joe Dispenza meditation retreat, like when you're with like-minded people where you feel safe and to be vulnerable. And um, I think that's really cool. And I could see you kicking ass with something like that. And maybe you can set, I mean, hell, maybe our property is going to be one of your places you can, uh, you know, set up shop. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's get a get something going in your in your backyard. You got such a beautiful piece of property. <laughs> yeah, we do. I we're very lucky. Um, well, buddy, I appreciate it. You've been awesome, and you know, Alexi, by the way, has been real helpful in helping me technology wise set up a lot of things, and it's been super patient. But one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I don't get to see him as much as I'd like to, but you know, the thing about close friends is you know it doesn't matter if it's been a month you talk to somebody it's you know you just pick up where you left off so i really appreciate it i think it's uh great information you provided and i'm hoping it's going to help some people well I, i'm hopeful that it, it it does um you're one of my favorite people on the planet so i'm so happy to have uh, been able to just do this with you so yeah thanks Dirk. all right buddy thank you all right have a great night i will buddy 